Welcome to the Always Never Right podcast, a podcast for Gen Xers like us who've gotten to middle age and just thought, what the fuck happened? How did I get here? I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs. And today we're having our very own little book club. I hope you enjoy it. Now, it's not the kind where we discuss a particular book, but more like the one where we talk about books we like and stuff we've read, stuff we've read. And I did a little pre-gaming, so I apologize for the already slurring. Um, <laughs> but stuff we've read, stuff we enjoy, and stuff we would like to inflict upon you. I'll say inflict because once you hear my choices, you'll understand that reference. That's true. And, That's a true story. Drink on that. I will drink. Drink. Um, drink. And drink. I think we did, okay, not we, Jillian. Jillian did a fucking phenomenal okay. job. You okay there? Yeah, I just think I spilled it on my desk. Whatever. Oh. That ought to be cool. <laughs> yeah, let me know how the... She's a bitch anyway, so it's all right. Oh, there you go. Queen Mab. Yeah. Yeah, she could use something to help chill her out. Anyway, by the way, disclaimer, do not feed your cats alcohol. Anyway, um, Jillian did a really phenomenal job theming our cocktail this week. Jillian, I please. I did, please, didn't I? You did. So please tell. So this cocktail is called The Manuscript, and I did post a video of it up on our website. I hope you like that. Um, it has a bunch of stuff in it and probably all of it's stuff you have on hand, except maybe one of the ingredients, which is cherry brandy. And you might not have that unless you're big into fondue. And if you have fondue <laughs> at your house a lot, you might have this because this Kirschwasser is what Kirschwasser is what they use in fondue. It's a thing. Anyway, you can ask for it at the at the like liquor store. You probably will have to ask because it's well hidden most of the time. Um, so. The recipe's up on alwaysneverwrite.com. It's got rye, and I'm pretty sure we both used Angel's Envy because, you know, we love our angels. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> Why <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, and then cherry brandy and lemon juice and simple syrup, simple syrup and champagne. Oh. And as Jillian said in the video, we used Mum Napa sparkling wine because of our Napa Valley experience, which yes. we referenced in an earlier episode. And we both used it. We did because it's Mum Napa. I know. It's kind of what I go to when I want to buy something champagne-y. So many warm I'm not going to buy my favorite champagne. <gasps> Do I tell. I like on my birthdays. My favorite favorite champagne of the whole wide world it's like 50 bucks and so i like almost never buy it because 50 bucks is too many dollars <laughs> um so my favorite champagne i bought myself for my 40th birthday for the very first time and it was vieux clicquot mm. demi-sec and it's the most smooth and beautiful and it's just a little bit sweet but it's not too sweet it's not like like super saccharine but it's not like that super dry like <laughs> kind of dry it's really good. <laughs> and but, I can, yeah. Sorry, I can tell it's been a while since you bought it because um, I bought it most recently a few months ago for a friend's um, bachelorette party. It was no longer fifty dollars. Not, not for the, not for the appropriate size bottle. Oh. It, it, I I can get a tiny bottle for fifty dollars. Well, I bought it for my for my last birthday and it was like fifty three dollars. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe booze is cheaper. <laughs> In it's, Dallas. Cheaper. it's cheaper where I live, maybe. Or maybe you bought a really big bottle. I, I didn't buy a huge bottle, but it was still a $75, $80 bottle. But it was so Are fucking sure worth it. It wasn't $80. It's still worth it, though. Fuck yeah. But you don't yeah. want to mix that with anything. No, that's just drinking it by itself, champagne. Damn straight. Yeah. So what do you think about this cocktail? I am in love with it. I'm in total love with it. It's orangey and citrusy, and but you cherry. Do you? I am getting hints of cherry just because of the smoke coming from the flamed orange. I wonder if the Angel's Envy rye is overpowering it. Like, I wonder if we used a different rye that wasn't so fragrantly beautiful, it would taste less. Maybe. I'm not getting a huge amount, but I am getting slight bits of the cherry. Just very slight bits, though, and it's almost blended into a wood flavor. So I pre-gamed this yesterday with Rexy and tea out by the pool. Just I miss Rexy. Out. I always try this out ahead of time because I want to see what it tastes like, and a lot of times I'll take the pictures for um, the episode prior to 
the actual day we record, just depending on how much time we're going to have. And this particular drink we drank yesterday, and Rexy pointed out that because of the Angel's Envy being that kind of maple syrup brown sugar, that in combination with the um, champagne flavor and the little bit of orange flavor, it almost came off like a breakfast because you've got the maple syrup, like French toast, you've got the orange, you've got the um, champagne. And so it's like French toast and a mimosa. Mm. All in one drink. That's beautiful. Um, so beautiful. She's so wise. She is wise. Oh, and I have to say, if you don't mind, I, I pre-gamed with the martini right before um, recording session, which if you follow our Twitter, you know this because I uh, <laughs> I drunk tweeted and then I drunk Facebooked and then I completely I fucked it up. It was so cute, though. No, it was really cute. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that my drunken foolery is cuteness. Um, but no, when um, I actually spent a weekend in Chicago with the Drunk Housewives, um, which that's what John the Brick calls us. We call ourselves the Yayas um, for oh. for um, grandmas, um, even though I'm the only one. No, I'm not the only one. That's but I'm, true. Yaya's grandma, because that's what Millie calls her grandma. She calls her grandma Yaya. That's right. And half the group, I think... I know at least two of the group are Yaya's, so we go, we call ourselves the Yaya's sisterhood. But John the Brick calls weird. us, it's weird. But John the Brick calls us the Drunk Housewives. Both apply. I anyway. like Drunk Housewives better, actually. So is Yaya an Urban Dictionary slang for anything? I don't think so. Let's okay. Look. Okay, you look while I tell I'll the pull story. Pull it up while you talk. Okay, so I went to um, Chicago for a weekend with the Drunk Housewives, and we had such a fucking phenomenal time, even though I got a migraine the first night, but that's a whole other story. And let me just say, if you're going to have a migraine, have it in a group of moms, because they were all they will all take so much fucking care of you. It's beautiful, and I'm very lucky. Um, um, time out. So I did hit that Urban Dictionary, and Yaya is Urban Dictionary for grandma. And want to know what's weird? What? So my mom wanted to be named Grammy. She wanted her grandkids to call her Grammy, like the award. Okay. <laughs> but for some reason, Millie just started calling her Yaya. And so she was always Yaya at our house. And um, my nephew, he calls her Grammy because that's what he, he went along with it. And that was just fine. But Millie was like, nah, she's Yaya. That's <laughs> just how this is. This is just what we do. So she was Yaya. And we had never known anybody that was going to be called Yaya. We had never known any. We'd known, you know, Grammys. We had known Nanas. We had known Mimis. We had known Mimas. We had known Grandmas. We had known Granny. Nope. <laughs> Yaya was what Millie went for. Wow. So that's super weird that your people are Yaya's and Yaya is actually Urban Dictionary and a whole bunch of them say just Yaya is grandma. Cool. Well, Millie's very prescient, isn't she? She pretty is. She well, that didn't even make sense. <laughs> pretty. That's okay. She pretty is. She pretty. She is. It all works. Anyway. Um, Whatever. So it's funny that you called this a breakfast, getting back to the point, um, because we had, during that weekend, the last day we were there, we we had a giant breakfast kerfluffle. We went to like three different places before we finally found a place that didn't have an hour and a half wait, because we had to catch a train back to St. Louis. Um, Don't but, you guys have a table? You know, we do, but there were some places that don't take reservations. Um, Why would you use those places then? I... Okay, next Monday morning. <laughs> next Monday morning quarterbacking. So we went to a British pub, and one of the yayas, who's not yet a yaya, had the full English breakfast. So she had like all the things and a Bloody Mary. And I swear this all connected in my head, but now that I say it out loud, it really doesn't. So when you say English breakfast, it makes me think of the time that I was with your husband <laughs> and some friends. Um, in Las Vegas. I hate and that I didn't all, know him yet. We had, you didn't know him yet. And we had all gone down to breakfast. And um, we were there for a wedding. And one of the folks that was getting married was sitting across from me. <laughs> and she said to the waiter, 
do you have English breakfast tea? <laughs> and the waiter looked at her and said, well, we have English muffins. That's kind of English breakfasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. That was the funniest thing ever. That's brilliant. <laughs> so should we get started with our topic? We should probably get started on the actual topic, even though we're having a lot of fun with the other shit. But let's, let's move on to legit shit. Okay, so... Our cocktail today is called The Manuscript, and our topic is books. We're going to talk about books. And I think this is especially, um, I think personally for me, this is an especially wonderful topic because my father worked in libraries, and we are actually recording this on Father's Day. So this is a super special topic for me. It is, and I'm so excited about it because... Jillian's dad was just fucking phenomenal. He was adorable. He was sweet. He was smart. He was artistic. He did phenomenal things to the Midwestern City Library. Oh, my gosh. It was just beyond phenomenal. So He did some pretty cool stuff in, in several different cities that were that was pretty special. And he was a really neat guy. And so he... My mom was a teacher and my dad was a teacher. They both started out as teachers. And then my dad went to library school. And so we grew up uh, with a library and reading being part of our, just part of who we were. So reading was always super important. I was such a reader when I was young. Mm. And I hate to admit that I rarely read anymore. And I want to do more, but I just don't. I say I don't have the time. I don't make the time for it. Mm. You know, I don't travel any, so I don't have the time to read when I'm traveling. If I did travel, I would. Mm. Uh, I don't commute, so I don't do, like, books on tape or anything. Um, I just don't sit and read anymore, and, and I miss that some. And and I do occasionally read. I won't say I never read anything. Like the last book I read was the whole Fifty Shades of Grey series. <laughs> <laughs> what housewife or what, excuse me, not housewife because we're working women. What wife didn't read that series? Seriously. Right. I needed to know what it was all about. And I think that we're going to do a topic at some point about like cultural phenomenons and, and like missing the boat because I think there's something to be said for tapping into something not necessarily because you're interested in it but just because everybody's talking about this and you feel like you have to experience it or you're going to be left behind you won't know what's going on um so i did i did read the 50 shades of gray and that was probably the last actual books i read wow wow since i there may have been a couple things I've read since then. I mean, I read stuff for school when I was getting my degree. I did a lot of reading for that, but whatever, that doesn't count. That, yeah, that really doesn't count. And, and I got to say, um, when you were reading the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, which I'm sorry, I did find stupid as hell, but yet still somehow very titillating. Entertaining. Uh, yeah. Definitely. But every time she said, oh, my, did you think of George Takei? No. Really? But that's okay that you did. So let's talk first about, let's let's kind of go back in time and talk about books we liked when we were kids. Like what books shaped you as a kid? I want to avoid stuff that was like super popular. Like let's leave out, obviously, you and I are both dorks. We both read Harry Potter. We both read like the obvious stuff, Chronicles of Narnia and all that shit. What other books shaped you as a child? Okay. I, I want to admit right here, and this will be of no surprise to you whatsoever. By the age of 11, I had ridden, ridden? Fuck. You said ridden. <laughs> I did. Okay. I think I read, by the age of 11, I read every single Agatha Christie book available. I and, did too. I loved Agatha Christie when I was a kid. Oh, I know. And then there were none. That one just really stuck in my head in particular. Yeah. Um, and I was so disappointed when I went through my grade school library, my middle school library, and our city library, and there were no more Agatha Christie books. I was devastated. We had a lot of books in our household, like that were um, supposed to be classics and 
we had a lot of Agatha Christie books and a lot of just general books in our household. And so every winter when we would kind of sort of get snowed in, because we lived in Michigan, we w- I would just like go through whatever books we had in the household and I read all the like all things great and small and all of those books. Those were good. Awesome. Oh my gosh, what a great selection to read. Um, I, I have to say I was very, very lucky because I, I didn't have a library dad like you did, but I had a mother and father who both very, very much believed in being as educated as you possibly could be, even if you didn't go to school for it. That's, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That was my grandpa, 100 million percent. Yeah, yeah, because um, my dad's mom actually got a master's degree in Kansas in the 19 fucking 20s. That's crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. my grandpa, I don't even know if he finished high school. Like, I don't know for a fact that he did, but he was one of the smartest guys I ever knew. And he hung out with some of the, um, like, my grandfather oh. and William Burroughs were friends. And they did a lot of things together and did all kinds of you know, he really sat and expounded on what he thought was wrong with society. And he would like go off. And my grandfather was amazing. He I think you would have really loved him. I would have enjoyed the shit out of your grandpa. Yeah, he was. Um, now, I only got to know one of my grandpas because the other one died the year of his born. But the grandpa I did know actually quit school in sixth grade. Um, his father was heartbroken. Um, his mother had already died of tuberculosis by then because, you know, turn of the century. Um, his father was heartbroken. But still, my grandpa could read blueprints on a sixth grade education. So he has always made foreman of every construction crew he was in. He was always the foreman because he was the only one who could read the blueprints. My grandpa was an iron worker. I wonder if they worked together. You know, I bet they did because my grandpa... Have. This especially when my aunt had polio. My grandpa did a lot of work in the area of one of the major Midwestern cities that I think we've talked previously. And you mentioned that your grandpa had worked there too. I bet they did know each other. I bet they did. That'd oh my cool. gosh. That'd be so cool. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I know, I, right? I know my grandpa would have like just loved the shit out of your grandpa too. My grandpa was an irascible dickhead. <laughs> my grandpa drank a shot of wild turkey every <gasps> night before bed. And I swear it's because he had to sleep with grandma. My grandpa had, well, he loved um, Ernest and Julio Gallo and Paul Masson <laughs> wine. <laughs> and he would get the gallon jugs of it and he would line them up on his patio and he called them his retired soldiers. <laughs> oh, shit. I so wish I could have met your grandpa. <laughs> he was really fucking cool. He uh, really was. Indeed. So he read every book. Uh, Other books I liked when I was a kid. Did you ever read anything by E.L. Konigsberg? Like from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, um, about the Benai Bagels, Jennifer Hecate, William McKinley, and me, Elizabeth. Those were my three favorites. No, I didn't. And I'm very jealous now. But remember, I, I grew up in a very limited background. Well, from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, these are books that if you are looking for a, a book for your kid to read and your kids around, I don't know, like nine or 10 years old, these would be great for them. That book is about a girl named Claudia and her brother named, I think, Jamie. They Claudia decides to run away from home. Jamie is really frugal and saves all of his allowance, so she sources him to run away from home with her. They run away from home, and they live in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Oh, my gosh, the MoMA. Right. Ah. So then they get all their money out of the fountain and stuff like that, but they will go and stand on the toilets so the guards don't see them. They sleep in the beds there. They do all this stuff. And there's a new sculpture delivered there. She finds this sculpture amazing. And it was donated by Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. So she seeks out Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler and goes to her and says, I want to find out more about this sculpture. And so she learns about the sculpture. Like, even as an adult, you should read this book. It's an amazing book. It's I really think, cool. I think I'm going to. Quick aside. Mm-hmm. So do you say the name as Basil as well as the herb? Yes, I do, because I'm not a Brit. 
Okay, because I got a because an argument that John the Briton and I have always said is if you say basil, that's a name. Basil is the herb. They're both basil. Wow. Okay, interesting. Maybe it's because I grew up on PBS. Oh, maybe. They're both. Um, then Jennifer Hackety, William McKinley, and me, Elizabeth. There's a girl. She goes to school. Um, she meets this other girl. The other girl says she's a witch. <gasps> oh my and gosh. So she decides they become friends and um, she tries to figure out all the things about being a witch. She tries to like, she has to eat onion sandwiches and she has to do all these things that her friend tells her to do. Did you read that book? No, I didn't. But I have to say onion sandwiches should be like a scary thing. Because yeah, which is you know, you know who in my life ate onions like apples? Who? Your grandma? Nope, her favorite daughter. Close enough. Oh yeah, same thing. I can't remember what name we designated to her, but yeah, she used to, she used to put salt on them and then just eat them like a fucking apple. And that should have been clue number one that she was not right in the head. Well, both of those two books were some of my favorite books. And here's the cool thing to know. Both of those books were written in the same year. Really? By the author. Well, they were written together. They were published in the same year. And she won a Caldecott medal and was a Caldecott medal award runner up. Oh my gosh. The first author who got the medal and the runner up for the first year. That's freaking cool. Yeah. She's yeah. a fucking badass. Dude. That is really fucking badass. She was one of my favorite authors, and those two books were my favorite books. I read them over and over and over and over again. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so cool. Those two books, you should definitely read, even as an adult. They're like 150 pages. They'll take you like two minutes to read. Okay, awesome. I will do that, because I am, unlike you, I commute every day. It takes me... 20 to 30 minutes to get to work every day and 20 minutes to an hour to get home every night. But yeah, I know. Um, Evening traffic sucks. Uh, If I start having to, if I start having to ever go to an office, I would definitely have books on tape. Of course, it's not really books on tape anymore. I would start listening to audiobooks. Years ago, when I worked, and I had to travel. I was covering all of the work in three different states. Yeah, and I had to drive between them quite often, drive or fly. And um, I listened to audiobooks all the time. I got through the entire um, five currently published books in the Song of Ice and Fire series. Oh, just during commuting back and forth between cities. Wow, that's crazy. I know. It was exhausting. Um, I would so, listen to books or I would learn a language. You know, I hadn't thought about that, and I should have, but I just, I was really enjoying, I, I've read, like, The Emperor of All Maladies, which is a book about cancer. Ew. Oh, it's fascinating, though. It's, you know, my, my dad passed away from cancer. Right. Um, but the the book about it was just phenomenal. I mean, Imhotep. Um, in ancient Egypt, talked about how, well, you know, if someone has, has I can't remember, some other word for cancer, if someone has this, the most you can do is palliative care. Do you prefer fiction or nonfiction? It depends on the mood. At that time, I was very much into nonfiction, like, um, like The Emperor of All Maladies and a lot of books by, um, I can't remember who it was. It's whoever did the... Um, she does a lot of books about medical things. Um, oh, crap. I'll have to look that up and come back to it in a bit. Um, and I, I, I very much was in the historical fiction um, Hilary Mantel books, um, which I'm still waiting for the third book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I'm not even sure if it's out yet, but about King Henry VIII and um, specifically Cromwell. Um Absolutely fascinating stuff. I've done the first two books um, about Henry VIII falling in love with Anne Boleyn and then Henry VIII executing Anne Boleyn. Um, Yucky. 
I know, very, because Henry VIII was a shit face. But... He was a shit face. Yeah. I guess I tend to prefer fiction books. Mm-hmm. Um, I like biographies, though. Ah. I like biographies or fiction. But I don't oh. like necessarily books about a nonfiction thing, if, if that makes any sense. Like, I wouldn't read a book about cancer. Ah, okay. And that's a pity because another book I would highly, highly fucking recommend. The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. What's that about? It is about um, a woman who, um, she was a black woman in the 20s or 30s. I can't remember. Um, But she went to, I want to say it was John Hopkins, but um, I'm a little drunk right now, so I can't swear to that. Um, for treatment and she um, they took some of the cervical cells and to this day those cells are still alive and they're using them in cancer research and her cells are like some special kind of cell like they can cure stuff her particular cells yeah it's it is just astounding and the book about um, what her family I mean, her family had no idea they kept those cells and her, her body was contributing so much to cancer research. They had no clue. They're like living in poverty and having no idea that all this, all these medical breakthroughs are coming through because of Henrietta. It's insane. So when you were, when you were a kid, did you read the Madeline LaEngel books? Like could, Wrinkle in Time and a Swiftly Tilting Planet and Wind in the Door? No, I didn't. I wish I, sh- I wish I had. But Those were my favorite books. I think I read A Wrinkle in Time like seven times. Did you read books over and over or did you just read books once? It depended. There were some books I read over and over. Um, Scarlet Letter, believe it or not, I read that several times. I believe it. Did you uh, read The Witch of Blackbird Pond? No, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. That I thought was it was Elizabeth George Spear. And it was a really cool book. I loved that book. I always felt like it was so well read, but now I'm not feeling it so much. What about, did you read My Side of the Mountain? No. Oh my gosh. so cool. So that book was about a kid who ran away from home. Like, I guess I read a, like read a lot of books about kids that ran away from home. So this book was about a kid who ran away from home and he went to the mountains and he literally lived off the land. He learned how to make like acorn flour and he hollowed out an old tree and he lived in that tree and he trained a falcon and he did all of this amazing stuff. It was called my side of the mountain. It was by Jean George. It was a really cool book. This is an, this is a book that I think AJ would really like if he reads at all, this is a book you would enjoy. It's perfect oh my age. Cool. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Oh, by the way, I did a, a quick look back to try to figure out what that one book I was trying to talk about earlier was. Mm-hmm. Um, the author is Mary Roach. And she does, yep, she does all kinds of books on like a single topic, like Gulp, and, um, which is about uh, basically your alimentary canal. And... Uh, bonk, the curious coupling of science and sex. And um, Stiff, the curious lives of human cadavers. They're fascinating books. Absolutely fascinating. I particularly like Gulp. Um, and what was the other one? There are two of hers I've read in particular that I just went. And Bonk, Gulp and Bonk, I thought were particularly Those good. sound kind of fascinating, but at the same time, they sound a little bit weird. Well, you've met me, right? I know. I don't want to be like, you're a weirdo. Peace out. We all, <laughs> we all know at this point, I'm a weirdo. So there were a few books that I had that were sort of one-off books. There was one book that I really liked that was called To Dance, To Dream. Ooh. And I had to look this up and it was about ballet dancing, but it was a series of like, short story biographies about famous dancers like Isadora Duncan and Anna Pavlova and Margaret Fontaine and Maria Tallchief and Maxine Drury. And they were all of these short stories about these particular dancers. And this kind of goes to my, I like biographies. 
I love I really have always liked to learn about real people. And this was a book that was all about real people who did amazing things, despite whatever their circumstances were when they were young. That's awesome. And it was a kid book, but it was written, like, I think I must have bought it at a garage sale or at the Friends of the Library book sale or some bullshit like that. And it was just something that I... Like I was, ne- I, I wasn't a ballet dancer or anything like that, but I always thought it was cool. And I bought this book thinking that I would just read about it. And I learned about all these different dancers who had all, who had really influenced the, the way that dance was, I don't know, taught and thought about. It was really cool. That's a cool book. To that Dance, sounds- To Dream. I'm going to look into that. That sounds awesome. It's by Max uh, Drury. Max Drury? Maxine Drury. Maxine Drury. Okay, cool. Okay, well, if we're getting to one-off books, you know what one of my favorite one-off books of all time is? What? Keith Richards' memoir, Life. You know what? What? He read that, and he loved it, and I would like to read that. It is astounding. He he has like one of the single best quotes on leadership I've ever seen in my entire life. What it's, is it? it's not a matter of cracking the whip. It's a matter of just sticking around, doing it. So you so they know you're in there, leading from the front and not from behind. And to me, it's not a matter of who's number one. It's what works. I think it's just one of the best leadership fucking quotes ever. That's an awesome quote. Isn't it? Because, and maybe I'm a little um, biased because it's very much my philosophy, kind of, if you're going to be asking other people to do stuff, you should be willing to be right in there doing it with them. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But that was one of the hands down best one-off books I've ever read. I mean, I, I still remember him describing when they found, they he and his um, then wife had a child who died of sudden infant death syndrome named oh, Taro. I had a friend who had a child that died of that. That was terrible. It is, it is horrible. It is absolutely awful. And Keith Richards describes it in such and in such a heartbreaking manner. I'm like, holy shit, it's hard. But it's, it's. But then he also talks about falling out of the coconut tree, and okay. whacking his head. So that's so, a cool thing. Yeah. So if we're talking about adult books, this. I have to talk about my 100%, 1 million percent, actually, favorite book of all time. It is a fiction book by Carl Sagan. It is called Contact, and it is the best book ever written. It's better than the movie. The movie is not even the same story. It is not even a little bit. This is a book about feminine empowerment to the ultimate. Ah. Uh. It's awesome. the best book ever. Like, have you ever read the book? I gave it to you. I know I did. You gave it to me, yes. And you haven't read it. No, I haven't. I'm a horrible, horrible person. You motherfucker. You need to read the book. <laughs> I know I do. I'm horrible. Kelly, you can read this book in a day. It's a great, amazing book. You know, now that I know it's a lot about feminine empowerment, I probably will because I'm very, very much it fuck is, the patriarchy right now. It has got the strongest female character I've ever read about. It's about a woman who is the head of a telescope array. She's like a NASA person. So then she discovers her her telescope array discovers this signal from outer space. She and her telescope array contact some other people. They all work together sort of globally to come up with this signal to translate the signal. Hmm. Once they figure out exactly what it means, they figure out that it makes a machine. They find the machine. They translate the signal. It makes the machine. They get the blueprints for the machine. They make the machine. There's a world symposium she and like five other people are part of this 
thing. They go in the machine. They go to this other... They get in the machine. The machine takes them to this other thing. They see people. They see the aliens or whatever. And they're delivered messages. They come back. People are like, no, that didn't happen. She's like, yes, it did. It totally happened. And she has to convince them. But it's it's so incredible. Like, they could have made such a good movie. And they didn't even get close. Like, they didn't even make the story. It wasn't even the same story. Wow. And, you know, um, listening to you describe that just reminded me so much of Drunk History. It is Drunk History. It's so good. Oh, man. Which reminds me, whatever book Manuel Miranda read about Alexander Hamilton, I totally fucking need to read it now. (laughs) Because I did a Drunk History episode on that. But I I I have another book for you. Please, please share. The Eight by Catherine Neville. Oh. This book is fucking awesome. It's about chess. Really? Yeah, it's about chess and about history and Russian stuff. So it's not like One Night in Bangkok chess. It's kind of. It really? Is. It's kind of One Night in Bangkok. I'm so fucking in. It's chess and it goes back and forth between history and like now. And it's also a feminine empowerment book. I love that. I do too. And I'm not even like all feminism boys suck boo. Like I'm not even that. Cool. What about you? I'm going to check that out. Well, I, I, I think another book, I, I have to um, confess something I'm very, very into right now. Um, which is hilarious given that I'm the Pollyanna of the two of us. (laughs) I'm so incredibly into a lot of nihilistic books right now. You are. Like pretty much anything by Mo Hader, um, who she's, uh, she writes a lot of British based mysteries, particularly the Jack Caffrey series, which is about a guy whose brother was kidnapped as a child by a pedophile. And he does all these crazy ass cases. I mean, it's, it's nuts and nothing ever goes right. Oh gosh, I really like this girl. I think she's awesome. Oh no, she helped her brother cover up a murder. Okay, well I won't say anything about it, but I'm not going to date her. I mean, it's just... <laughs> and then all these, especially like Scandinavian thrillers, like the Mil- the Millennium Trilogy, obviously. Obviously. None of the post-trilogy books not written by Stieg Larsson because they just aren't fucking worth it. But I also love like, Lars Kepler, which is some of the darkest, darkest fucking shit out there. Like the the latest book that's available on audiobook, because most of what I read, I quote unquote read while I'm driving back and forth to work or traveling to hearings and stuff like that. What draws you to that? I think because I am such a fucking Pollyanna, I've got to get my darkness somewhere. Um, and most of it, I, I and plus I'm I'm part Swedish. So, um, I'm like, there's a little closet nihilist in my little heart somewhere. <laughs> so I think it's one of the reasons why I also like Bojack Horseman and, uh, Rick and Morty because one's, you, you know, existential nihilism, the other one's universal nihilism, but I digress. Um, but I have to say another one of my favorite book series out there, and I'm just chomping at the bit for the next one is, um, the department Q series by UC Adler Olson. You see uh, Adler Olson, uh, another Scandinavian dude, um, the uh, Danish. I rolled my eyes. I know the main character um, is. Uh, oh gosh, I can't even think of his name right now. But um, the main character is like this curmudgeonly old, this curmudgeonly guy that everyone in the police station utterly hates. So they relegate him to a basement position, solving really cold ass cases. And every other person who comes into the police department that they hate, they assign him to work in department Q with this guy. So he's Milton with the red swing line stapler. (laughs) Pretty much. But I have to say over all the books I've read, he has grown because he used to be a racist shit, but he works with some of a, someone of Arab descent. And he used to be very, very down on people with mental illnesses, but he works with someone with a split personality. 
and he will be the first one to come to their defense at any time. So it's really, even though it's nihilistic shit and people die all the damn time, one of the books is literally called The Hanging Tree or something like that. I can't remember. But damn, it's just watching his character grow. One of them is very much about like this cult on this little Scandinavian island and all the people who got killed in it. And I won't go into more detail. I love cult books. It's actually a pretty good um, uh, portion of the series. But he like he ends up really, really loving the Rose and Asad who he works with all the time. And his character growth as it goes on is pretty cool. Well, I like stuff about cults. I mean, just in general, I like stuff about kind of like what I would call woo-woo stuff. (laughs) Awesome. Like new age stuff. Like, did you ever read the Celestine Prophecy? I didn't. And you told me to read it like literally 24 years ago. Dude, it made, it actually made a difference in my life. And I'm not going to say that there are many books and this is supposed to be fiction. I'm not going to say there are many books in my life that have made my life different. But this actually changed the way I look at things. Whether really? it's a true story, whether it's a fake story, whether it's something different about the world. This book changed the way I look at a lot of things. Really? So... I do think you should read it. I do think everybody should read it. The Celestine Prophecy is something, I know it sounds like complete horseshit, but it's about like seven or eight things in the world that we accept as real that aren't actually necessarily what we think. Like there are no coincidences. Everything Mm -hmm. happens for a reason. I totally a million percent believe that. Oh, I do too. Absolutely. And this is one, this is one example of that. This book talks about how, you know, this person, it's, it's supposedly fiction and it kind of goes into like, this person said this and this person showed up here. And I was just thinking about this girl and this girl showed up and like, how did this happen? So the idea behind the book is that there are, these sort of, I don't know, I think it's like 12 things that happen and you need to pay attention to them. Cool. Whether it's real or not, I think it's something you should read. I have it. Next time you're here, totally read it. It's like 200 pages. It'll take you eight minutes to read it. Wow. Yeah, that's nothing. Okay. I will. You say I've I really, I want to apologize now. I really suck at actually reading the books you recommend to me. And I'm a (laughs) shitty, shitty person. You are a shitty person. (laughs) Oh, man. I just, uh, I don't know. I suck. books, And then there are books that I just read for enjoyment. Mm. So one of the books I read for enjoyment, like there was a book by Michael Crichton a few years ago called Timeline. Did you ever read that? No, I didn't. Do that tell. was a fucking amazing book. I don't love Michael Crichton. Like, I wasn't ever like, Jurassic Park is the most amazing book ever. Mm. Timeline, I think they made a movie of it. Really? But it was about a professor who went back in time and, like, his students had to find him. It was a really good book. I loved it. It was a good book. So cool. I would highly recommend that book. Cool. Um, a book series I finally got around to reading just within the last couple of years that I've been meaning to read for years and years and years. The Dark Tower series. I don't know anything about that. By Stephen King. Oh, 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 that. that. And what's cool is I, I am like a Stephen King diehard, which I know we weren't going to get into really popular books, but I kind of have to to get into. That's all right. Yeah. Um, I, Harry Potter, the very true, the very, very first Stephen King book I read, I started with the bang. It was the, um, original version of the stand, um, which was 
fucking amazing. And then I, it's one of the few books I've read more than once. I've read it good five times. Um, the original version and the unabridged version that came out several years later with all the extra stuff that had originally been cut. Um, but, um, what I like about the Dark Tower series is it winds into so many other Stephen King books and into Stephen King's actual real life that it just becomes very meta. And um, the further you get along into the series, and it's pretty cool. I will admit I was a little let down by the ending, but at the same time, there was also a little bit of a kink thrown in it that let you know things were going to change, and it was pretty cool. I think as far as series goes, there was a series by an author named Elizabeth Peters um, that was a character, was centered on a character named Amelia Peabody. So I was an anthropology major in school and I wanted to be an archaeologist. And Amelia Peabody was an archaeologist and Elizabeth Peters wrote this book and it was about this sort of like turn of the century archaeologist um, the Amelia Peabody series by Elizabeth Peters was amazing. And I read, I think every single one of them, or at least like the first 10 or 12 of them. I loved that series. It was amazing. And it was like miss sort of like, it was sort of Agatha Christie-esque Ooh. mysteries where there's like, archaeology and egyptology and they have to solve a mystery so good so much fun they were just like bullshit books that you have to read because they're so much fun awesome i do okay two things number one i have to point out that there exists a museum somewhere in the midwest that if you look closely there's a diorama of a native american (laughs) settlement Where one dog is sniffing another dog's butt. If you're in a Midwestern city and see a Native American diorama with that put in there, Jillian did it. Thank you very much. That was me. I laughed so hard. Um, Number two, I have already forgotten. Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) One other book that I really like, and this is one that I read a long time ago. It was called In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Did you read that? I I have. It's been years since I have, but I have read that. Holy so, shit. When we lived in the Midwest, the town we lived in, the street we lived on, on the corner, the family was named Clutter. <gasps> oh. And they were that Clutter family. Oh my gosh. No, they really were. It was his uncle. And it was one of those things that I was like, wait, Clutter? Why do I know that name? And he's like, yeah. Wow. Well, so here's why. Did you ever read anything by Pat Conroy? No, I didn't. Pat Conroy wrote a book. He wrote a bunch of books. He was super popular back in, I want to say like the 90s. But like Prince of Tides was an excellent book. One of my favorite quotes is by Pat Conroy, and he wrote something like, hold on, let me find it. Okay. While you look, I'm going to just quickly tell another story. Yeah, do it. And that is, I'm always mad when there's a book series by the original author, and the original author dies, and someone else takes it over. Like the the Millennium Trilogy by Stieg Larsson. Someone else took it over after he died, and I've hated the additional two books. I've read them because I'm a completist and I love Lisbeth Salander, but I've hated the additional two books. The other thing where that happened was Frank Herbert's Dune series because I read the entire Dune series and the entire Green Anna Green Gable series, whole other topic, in one summer. But the minute I started the one that his son wrote instead of Frank Herbert, I could not continue and I had to stop. It's not the same, right? It's not the same. And here's my greatest fear. A Song of Ice and Fire still has two books left to come out. If George R.R. R. Martin dies, I'm ter- before they can come out, I'm terrified of what the last two books will be like. Well, he's not going to die. He damn not- well. First of all, he's not old. Second of all, he's not sick. I know, but you know, Stieg Larsson, no one thought he was going to die either. He died. Nobody didn't think he was going to die either. True. 
True. <laughs> I had to sort through that sentence, but I got there. That was hard, but let me read you this quote. Okay, yes, read me the quote. Thank you okay. for letting me digress into my greatest fear, my greatest literary fear. All right, this is like, this is the reason I love Pat Conroy. Lucy O'Neill had an offbeat, nuanced kind of beauty that had sprung naturally out of a weedy gene pool, heavily posted with warning signs. But it was her figure that drew men to her. Those surprising curves that made words like voluptuous explode on the tongue with the sweetness of tropical fruit. I have always suspected that my father married the shape of a woman and had not a clue about the nature of the woman herself. He knew she was raw and unschooled, but had no idea she was a What captivated him was the thought that he saw in her a brightness and pure of spirit. But in fact, he was marrying Lucy O'Neill to hurt his mother, and he had succeeded beyond his wildest capacity for vengeance. Dude. I think that's fucking amazing. That is. I like that. It make words like voluptuous explode on the tongue with the sweetness of tropical fruit. I think that's fucking incredible. That really is. Oh my gosh. I love when that there can like be one line that just makes you go, what the fuck? Like that's perfection. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Also, I have drunk too many drinks. That's okay. So have I. Because I had a martini and then I poured myself a double. So Yeah, me too. My final thing is Ken Follett. Do you like Ken Follett? Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Ken Follett. I love him because I met him in person. You're allowed. Okay. He came to the library where my dad worked, and we all went out to dinner, and it was so cute. He was just the cutest little guy. He was so cute. Have you read his books, though? Yes, I've read several. Which ones have you read? I'm just curious. I have read, let's see. White Out. Okay. Um, And some other ones. Okay, maybe it's just the ones I chose to read. Um, but I read, I'm trying to look at the names of them. Yeah. I read, I read The Pillars of the Earth. Yeah, I read that. And I read one of the others. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was with some of the descendants of the people from Pillars of the Earth. Uh, oh, shit. World Without End. I think that was it. Um. I read and the- Pillars of the Earth. I read White Out. I read Column of Fire. I just have to say, um, Pillars of the Earth and World Without End irritated the living shit out of me. Because if if one more character said the upshot is I'm like, I'm pretty sure in medieval times and whatever the various things are set that they didn't go. The upshot is 90 times per sentence. I read a place called freedom. Ah. I read night over water. I read lie down with lions. Kind of like his one-off novels, I think. Okay. Maybe that would have been better. Because I know Pillars of the Earth and World Without End just pissed me off to no end. I'm like, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> I'm like, I like the stuff when they talked about the actual engineering behind building a medieval bridge. I thought that was very cool. And they're like, I have an idea for how to make it stand better. The upsh- then they go, the upshot is, and I go, oh, fuck you. I'm totally removed now. You're like, it's the end. I know. Like, I don't think the upshot is was a popular phrase quit fucking using it <coughs> excuse me got some mad and coughed so what other book do you feel shaped your life like if you were going to say one book if you were going to say one book or one author that absolutely is your number one favorite 
if I could only read one book for the rest of my life, one author for the rest of my life, who would it be? I see in my head, it changed the dynamics several, several times. The book that shaped my life the most was probably the Anna Green Gables series. Okay. Because Anne, and like I said, read it the same summer as Dune because I'm a freak. Um, Anne Shirley was unapologetically herself. It's true. I mean, I know she wanted to change her name. She wanted to do all these things, but she still, she was her. Yeah. And it, I was, I spent so much of my life being awkward that seeing Anne just be like, this is who the hell I am was very appealing to me. So that made a huge, huge difference. Uh, the book I could read over and over again, I think would be once again, the stand. Cause every time I read it, I get something else out of it. The stand, the stand. Okay. Just, it's so packed full of stuff. It's partially formed my if the world ends this is how we get to my brother's house and hole up and survive and exist strategy well okay <laughs> that is just fine thank you thank you for humoring me <laughs> the smile she gave me folks oh lordy i've said too much anyway moving on <laughs> well you know i think that's okay though I think everybody has their their final thing. For me, um, I don't know. I think it would probably be Perfect. Agatha Christie. Agreed. I'd bring back around to Agatha Christie. I would just read Agatha Christie for the rest of my life. Gosh, she was so amazingly talented, wasn't she? She really was, and she had so many stories to tell. I know. And so many stories that were untold, like when she disappeared for that period of time. Right. That was crazy. I know. She's crazy. Gone. Awesome. She's gone. I know. It was not. And she's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I was just yeah. like, I was gone and now I'm back. That's I know. cool. Whatever, bitches. Whatever, You're... man. Just fuck off. Uh, I'm living my best life. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck off, man. I'm doing my thing. Gosh, she's one of my heroes. She's pretty fucking cool. She is. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Oh my god. So, all right. I think we're done. I think I we've think, covered this. I think we've covered it pretty well. Books we like. If you like nihilistic shit, I highly recommend Mo Hater. Um... Ah, uh, well, Mo Hater and Lars Kepler <laughs> and more We've Mo Hater. A lot of good recommendations. We've given, we have just sort of laid it all out there. This is the stuff we like. We want to thank you for joining us today and being with us each week. Thank you. Hope you'll drink with us again next week. If you'd like to hear more from us or read about our cocktails, the website's alwaysneverwrite.com. There's links to our Facebook page, which is Always Never Write Podcast. Um, and let's see, you can join us. Please start a dialogue. We'd love to talk with you. If there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about, let us know. We also have Instagram at Always Never Write. Pretty pictures of the drinks. We have Twitter at Always Never Write. <laughs> Tweet us, ask questions, whatever you want to do. Oh, absolutely. And remember, we are not professional librarians. So if you need help with book recommendations, head over to your local library and engage with them. They live for that shit. Um, we also have a link for a favorite bookstore of mine personally on the Links We Love page on our website, The Novel Neighbor, the kick-ass. Um, so feel free to take a look. And if you enjoy us, we would love if you would consider subscribing to the podcast and if, if you haven't already. And if you could leave us a review, we prefer five-star, but we take any because we're open to constructive criticism because that's how we roll. Yeah, absolutely. And this has been a literate episode of Always. Never. Right. I am Jill Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs. And thank you so much for making us a part of your week. We'll talk more next week. And have a lovely time, dolls.
Standard disclaimer. Always never write is in no way, shape, or form performed or produced by professional advice givers. We've just lived a lot. So if any of our life experiences prove useful, we're happy to share, especially if we can share in an entertaining way. But if you have serious problems, please see a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, life coach, or someone who is actually trained to know what the hell they're doing when passing out advice. Also, please note that most names and the descriptions of many events have been modified to both make things more entertaining and to protect the innocent, the not-so-innocent, and the flat-out guilty as sin assholes.